This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. And welcome everybody to another Freakazoid episode of the Animaniacast. Hey, what is this place? Palm trees? Hula girls? Pineapples? Hula girls? Surfboards? Hula girls? Hula girls? Hula girls? Of course, it all adds up. I've somehow landed in Norway. Hello and welcome to another episode of Freakazoid and Friends. This is uh, this is the spin-off series of the Animaniacast, and we are the only podcast that lets you freak out about Freakazoid. And here we talk about a random episode, uh, revisiting all the c- cultural references and gags, and in the end we give this episode a Water Tower rating and... Go figure. Once again, the random episode is once again sequential. Go figure. I I am Joey, and joining me are my co-hosts, Nathan. I like your cheeks. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, And Kelly. Hello. Hello. And we also have Hula Girls. Uh, (laughs) Today, we are going to be talking about not one, ladies and gentlemen, but two episodes of Freakazoid. That's right, episode six and seven, because episode six has the chip part one, and episode seven has the second part of the chip, which is, it's like, you got to put them both together to have a full discussion. Yeah. Especially because we want to be talking about another episode of Freakazoid for like a month or so. So, <laughs> we, we had, for the sake of keeping confusion down to a minimal level... We had to uh, talk about both today. So today we're talking about The Chip Part 1, The Chip Part 2, and Freakazoid is History, which I just call Quantum Freak, because that's what it's basically doing. But yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but if someone were to ask you about these two episodes, Nathan, what would you tell them? Uh, it's the origin story of Freakazoid, I guess. I mean, right. <laughs> that's that is very true. And Kelly, what very, would I, I don't know? What would you say, Kelly? They were freaky. They were freaky. Well, yes, they, every episode of Freakazoid <laughs> is definitely very freaky. <laughs> but before we get into today's episode, Nathan, please tell us when did these episodes first premiere? Okay. Well, um, these were uh, so. Two episodes, and they were a week apart. Uh, Saturday, November 4th, 1995, was when uh, Chip Part 1 came out. And then Chip Part 2, week later, November 11th, 1995. And, you know, around this time, let's see, uh, there was uh, it was one day after the debut of Mr. Show with uh, Bob and David. Uh, one day after the website GameFAQs debuted, and Howard Stern released uh, his second book, Miss America, uh, which became the fastest-selling book in publisher's history. Um, and then uh, before the second episode, uh, it was just one day after the release of Ace Ventura, which I thought there was a reference to Ace Ventura, but mm-hmm. it was it was only a day after the release of Ace Ventura, so it couldn't have been, right? No, I guess not. They're not that fast. Or maybe <laughs> yeah. they're psychic. I don't know. Maybe. 
Well, there we go. And I, I, the only real thing that I meant really came to mind in that little list was uh, Mr. Show, which I've tried watching a few episodes of, but it's, I don't know. Even though it has a lot of talented people that I really like in it, I don't think the show's that funny. Yeah, I've tried to watch it. I, uh, and then, of course, they had the reboot on Netflix or whatever that, right. you know, whatever that was called. Um, I, have you seen the new Little Women? The, the, uh, the movie Little Women? The movie? No, yeah. I have not. Because uh, Bob Odenkirk's in it. <laughs> really? Yes, just randomly. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, really, like, takes me out of the movie where I'm just like, oh, look at all, like... Really getting into this family, and then there's Bob Odenkirk. Just they say anything Bob about Odenkirk. calling Saul or anything like that? <laughs> Before we go on, little oh. women, we must call Saul. <laughs> we we better call him. There you uh, go. Well, well, anyway. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and talk about the chip part one. And the chip part one was written by Paul Rugg, and it was directed by Dan Reba and Nathan. We're going to give you the honors of summarizing the chip part one. So tell us what happens here in the first part of our story. All right. Well, uh, we open up with uh, the broadcasting system people. What, what's this guy's the, name? Jack Valenti. <laughs> Jack Valenti. Sorry, I was eating a popcorn and now I'm choking. No, uh, <laughs> bad idea. I was just so entertained by this podcast. Um, so uh, he's telling us all about the letters he's reading. And of course, all his letters are telling him how much they like his cheeks because uh, he has great cheeks. And um, But one particular letter starts off with, of course, complimenting his cheeks. But then it asks, what are the origins of Pregazoid? You know, we get a lot of letters here at the Motion Picture Association of America, and most of them are about my cheeks. Still, there have been a few letters asking us all about Freakazoid. Letters like this one from Miss Ida Lupins of Santa Susana City. And she writes, Dear Mr. Valenti, I like your cheeks. I'd like to know how Freakazoid got his start as a superhero. What were the special circumstances? My home is made of adobe. And also, we find out she lives in an adobe, which is very awesome. Uh, <laughs> or her house you is made of adobe. You say adobe? Adobe. <laughs> so, uh, he, he's put together a, a special uh, presentation for us to show us the origins. Um, and it's kind of after we're right around the Christmas season. Um, it's a Christmas episode because this is, happens all Christmas Eve. Dexter gets a little chip in a box that, um, well, I guess before this, we, we find out uh, from a corporation that there's a defective chip out there that if someone puts in uh, the chip in the computer, connects to the internet, and then puts in a series of keys code, key letters, uh, and then hits the delete button... They'll get pulled into the computer and turn into a freakazoid. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, like when you go onto the computer every day and you want to yeah. access the internet and you have to enter in your code. <laughs> yep. that's exactly what how, happened. Yep, this is how you connect to the internet, which is a big thing <laughs> back in 1995. It was, oh man. I wouldn't have such happy slacks if I were you. Because if someone did manage to activate the flaw, a pox on him! The pinnacle chip would overload 
causing a concentrated beam of energy to zap the user. It would fill his or her brain with all the information on the internet. It would give them superhuman strength, enabling them to do just about anything. But they'd be very silly, extremely perturbed. They'd be a freakazoid. A freakazoid? What's that? It's just what it sounds like, Mr. Fancy Man sitting in your chair. Dexter opens up his uh, box, and this is this this chip is in there, and you know. What what a coincidence! So uh, he he decides to put it in his computer, um, and then the computer asks for his access code to enter the internet or something. I don't know what this code is for. So he needs to find his code book. But then the cat starts walking all over the keyboard and putting in all these keys. And wouldn't you know it? It just happened to be the right series of keys because when Dexter hits the delete button, he's pulled in the computer, and uh, that's when he. Uh, freaks out i don't know he <laughs> and that's when we see uh freakazoid for the first time uh dexter's then like freaking out so he runs to the bathroom what's happening to me hey dexter you down here surprise ah! ooh, ooh, ooh. now unzip your head huh unzip your head you know like this pretty gross huh kids and then on the door, you hear uh, Dexter's brother, uh, Ra- Ra- Duncan? Duncan. 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 This is our first uh, uh, appearances of Duncan, right? Is this episode? I, I, I believe. think so. I think we. S- well, you know what? I don't know. I, I Kelly, know. you have you seen I, Duncan before? I haven't seen him. Before. Okay, See, there, there we go. go. There we go. This She's never first... seen Duncan. <laughs> Good old Duncan. He really seems like the Biff Tanner of the family, doesn't he? Just like yeah. lifting I weights. He's a great addition to this uh, uh, show, so I'm, and, I'm glad that and, this episode. And just, just a great thing that you know the the parents had to name their their children Duncan and Dexter. You know, it's yeah. you know, du- Duncan and Dexter <laughs> Douglas. You know, the everything D. Anyway, yeah. So you know, Duncan's been bullying Dexter since the beginning of the episode, and now he's at the door because he has to pee. And who opens the door? But Freakazoid, and they he just says he wants a wrestle, so he starts. Um, wrestling of him, but then he hears a noise really far away. You know, he's like, what is this noise? So he turns to a lightning bolt, he zooms across the world to Tibet, and there's a monk, and he's raking it. Will you please stop that infernal raking? It's driving me crazy! Sheesh! Uh, and then he zooms back and uh, continues to bully and Duncan. Um, and now, uh, this is when uh, Roddy McDowell, who was just at the... Is that his name? No, no. no. not Roddy McDowell. <laughs> I want to keep calling him Roddy McDowell. Because, like... He's an actor. <laughs> yes. Roddy McStew yes. is the actual person. But every time I'm thinking Roddy McDowell. So Roddy McStew is the one that, you know, found this problem with the chip. And now he's outside Dexter's house. Uh, and he needs to figure out a way... So he knocks on the door and asks if there's a computer user. And the mom says, oh, yeah, Dexter... Perchance, is there a computer user living about this abode? Oh, you mean Dexter? Aye, that's it. Dexter. Is he available? And you are... Oh, I'm his, um... What should I say? I can't think! She'll never buy it! Trad! Trad! I'm his insurance agent. Well, he's only 17. Trad! I blew it! I blew it! Oh, no, I meant I'm his, uh, his uh, driving instructor. It's time for his lesson. On Christmas Day? He's a very bad driver. 
Um, and the mom thinks there's nothing weird about this, so she just lets him walk up to the room by himself. Uh, and so Roddy's calling out for Freakazoid, saying hello, hello. Freakazoid's saying hello back a bunch. And then it turns out Freakazoid's on top of a cabinet and jumps on top of him and turns back into Dexter. And that's when some armed henchmen walk in and they're like, come with us. And Roddy's like, oh, you're, you're going to get it. This kid's a killer or whatever, you know, and then... So he's trying to get Dexter to turn into Freakazoid, but, uh, you know, Dexter doesn't know how to turn into Freakazoid. So they all get captured, and they're taken to Gutierrez, who is a bad guy that is uh, the owner of the company of the chip. What sequence of keys activates the flaw? Why? Power, my dear good friend Roddy Max 2. Ultimate power. I shall transform myself into a superhuman capable of doing anything. Yes, won't that be neato? So he asks uh, Roddy to, or he asks uh, Dexter to give it to him. Dexter's like, I can't because uh, I don't know the code. The cat entered it. And then um, <laughs> so they start, they ask the cat what the code is. So they get uh, a, 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 a pet psychologist in. Ask the kitty how he activated the floor. Meow, meow, meow. Meow. He says he's very sad. Oh, go away. Gutierrez decides to uh, torture the Dexter's family by watching, making them watch the best of Marty Inglis. Ingles? Singles, yeah. Yeah. And, uh... That's when Roddy decides to give Gutierrez the access code. And then Gutierrez, Gutierrez orders everyone to be killed anyways, even though he said he wouldn't kill them if, they gave, if he gave them the access code. So, And that's the end of the episode six. That's a whole episode I just went over. That's wow. That's a lot, I, Nathan. There's a lot of like jokes I missed and things like that. Well, let's go yeah. ahead and go over some of that stuff. <laughs> uh, first of all, Ricardo Montalban right there is... As Gutierrez, who a lot of people would, uh, I, I assume, might know from uh, Star Trek II: Wrath of Khan, which I've never seen. I just know of it, uh, and it's he does a, a well. He does a lot of Star Trek references, and in, in this one, including like holding a little ooey gooey worm. Let's see now. What if I put ooey gooey worms in your ears? They wrap around your brain and make you all crazy. There's a lot of references in here, and starting off with Jack Valenti. Now, Nathan, I'm assuming you don't remember J- Jack Valenti at all growing up? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no. But I, I know with him at the MPAA, he would be what I would always see him in. I'm sure Kelly, you, you as well, I'd always see him in things like about Temple of Doom and stuff like that, and, and documentaries about it. Because, of course, Steven Spielberg had to talk with Jack Valenti about getting a, a new rating system, the whole PG-13 thing. So that's that was Which nice I to see. specific mention about that, but they didn't. They did not. Yeah, they... they well, let's talk about Jack Valenti. First of all, he's... He, as you did mention, Nathan, he talks about... They made a special feature right here. <laughs> the MPAA did apparently about the origins of freakazoid because people wanted to know about it 
And so th this is kind of a cool thing because this is not only essentially a Freakazoid feature, it's the origins of Freakazoid, and it's also a Freakazoid Christmas special because the whole thing takes place on Christmas. Go figure. Yeah. It's a it's a triple, triple threat. Well, anyway, Jack Valenti's going over uh, stuff, and I remember seeing him on Entertainment Tonight and things like that growing up. One of the the big segments that he <laughs> talks about in this one is the rating system, where he shows a family all together and describing the the different ratings. I particularly liked that uh, that whole segment right there, even though he gets interrupted by Freakazoid. Now, if a family wants to see a movie and it's rated G, then everyone can go. Mom and Dad and Buffy and Jody and Grandma and Grandpa and even Sergeant Scruffy. If it's PG, then there might be something unsuitable for young or sensitive viewers, in which case uh, Buffy will just have to stay home, along with Grandma, who didn't want to go to the movies anyway. Getting down to the NC-17 part where, you know, mm -hmm. Grandpa, Grandpa's been in World War II and he doesn't... <laughs> He does. He's seen a lot and all that stuff. And the dog can stay because he's just a dumb dog anyway. Yeah, the uh, sergeant, whatever. Sergeant, <laughs> sergeant Scruffy. Now, if the movie's rated R, then it's going to contain some adult material. In which case, a dad who's got a lazy tummy will probably want to stay home. But if the movie's rated NC-17, that means that kids can't get in. Only adults can get in. Mom doesn't want to see adult movies. But Grandpa was in the Army, and he's not bothered very much, and so he decides to stay along with Sergeant Scruffy, who's just a dumb dog anyway. Uh, <laughs> yes. Anyway. Um, so there's, a, there's some stuff that they uh, get into where they say, and now, uh, and then they have the French, French uh, and Spanish and German uh, translations of that. And then they go into our feature presentation. Our feature presentation. Et voici mon ami Gilles. Me mosca es muy fea. Es gibt Hachenfleisch in mein Hose. In French, it starts off with, uh, and this is my friend Gil. And then in Spanish, it says, my fly is very ugly. And finally, with the German translation, it says, there is chopped meat in my pants. Which perhaps has something to do with uh, baloney in our slacks with uh, Animaniacs, but I don't know if that's a that's a <laughs> good connection or not. <laughs> uh, the Pinnacle chip, of course, is very similar to the Intel Pentium chip uh, that was pretty big in the '90s. I remember seeing those commercials a lot, and uh, not having a PC, we had a Mac, and I did not have the capabilities to run intel chips at the time but my nerdy friends all talked about getting intel chips much like dexter douglas look inside today's pcs you'll find something pretty amazing the intel pentium processor it gives pc software more life more action more energy so if you want your pc software to really move Make sure your PC has the Intel Pentium processor. Grandma Moses, we're, we're getting into just a few episodes of oh ago. We talked about Tiny Toons, and they mentioned Grandma Moses <laughs> in that. And now we have another episode where they mention Grandma Moses again. Sandal! Uncle! 
say, Grandma Moses makes munchy meat most Monday mornings. Grandma Moses makes munch, munch, munch. I can't. So there we go. Grandma Moses, painter, got involved in painting in her 70s. Um, they mentioned Funikila, Funikili, Funikila. Uh, he lives on 564 Funikili, Funikila Avenue. And at first I thought this was Paul Rugg making another connection to uh, Valdery Valdera. And much like John P. McCann wrote Draculi Dracula, but Funiculi Funicula is, uh, of course, like a Italian song that you most likely have heard in a, a commercial for Olive Garden or something like that. Uh, we talked about the ooey gooey worm and Marty Ingalls. I was not familiar with his work at all, really, um, but he was a comedian in the 60s. And this is this is what we're talking about with Freakazoid and why I was so successful with young kids is because you, you bring out a name like Marty Ingalls and the kids all know that reference right away, you know? Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Marty Ingalls. Hiya, folks. He was the the only thing that I recognized him from when I looked at his IMDb thing was that he voiced the character of Pac-Man in the animated series Pac-Man, which was a terrible cartoon when I was a little kid, but that was what I recognized him from. Now, I'd like you to meet the man whose voice is about to become a living legend, the voice of Pac-Man, Mr. Marty Ingalls. <laughs> Is it difficult to be the voice of Pac-Man? No, no. I mean, I have a special kind of a sound here, which has been traveling with me my whole life. But uh, <laughs> it is. No, no, it's matter. I can even teach you all how to do it. I mean, the voice of Pac-Man, which everyone will know and see and follow. There are two things you have to do, okay? First, you have to put on the Pac-Man gear, okay? Well, you brought it with you. Are you? Oh, you're all prepared. Growing inside. And here, take a look at that, see? 44-year-old man making a goon out of himself. What do I tell my... And then what? Then and then, what? And then, okay, men, okay, repeat after me, watch my lips, and you say the Pac-Man sound, these poignant, eloquent words with your fingers, and you go, waka, 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 waka. Let's go ahead and talk about some favorite moments from this first cartoon. Kelly, what were some things that made you smile or or, or just made you go, ha-ha? I thought it was funny when McGrew was um, talking to the, the board members, and he was walking up and down the table. Oh, and, yes. Um, <laughs> If any of them happened to look up, they would have seen that was killed. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. He jumps up there really quickly, too. Uh, and and uh, you said McGrew. What was his name again, Nathan? It wasn't McGrew, was it? McStew. 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 Roddy McStew. Oh. We'll yes. never get this man's name right. No, we, we never <laughs> will. But he's voiced by Craig Ferguson, who I loved in uh, – I loved his you know stand-up comedy and, and everything. But, of course, he had his wonderful Late Late Show, which – if anybody can see, you know, watch some YouTube clips. If you've never seen that show when it was on, it was such a great talk show. It just went against every talk show convention ever. 
And uh, I loved watching that show. Nathan, what about you? What were some things that you thought were really funny? Um, I liked the pausing for dramatic effect and going right back into the... (laughs) (laughs) Followed by delete. We interrupt this program to increase dramatic tension. Thank you. And now back to our program. And I like that her, the I like the letter that he's reading, um, the housemaid of Adobe, and uh, you know the MPA uh, rating system is educational, which I liked. And yeah, um, there's yeah. a lot of stuff in this in this one. I know, it's like, and of course, yeah, the raking was a lot of fun too. I yeah, that, the so. raking. I I also caught for the first. I don't know why I didn't realize it the first time, but like when Roddy is going up the stairs to. See, see Dexter, and he's just hearing these like exorcism noises upstairs as he walks up. <laughs> I was just like, "That's funny." Dexter, your driving instructor's here, hon. <laughs> They've been roughhousing. Dexter, get down here this instant. Um, I should also—you've already mentioned it, but I should also mention that I, I like that they reference Spielberg. Oh yes, well that that won't be until the second part, I think, really. But they they do, yes. Uh, can't can't forget about Mr. Spielberg. Sorry, I got it. Got ahead of myself. I get excited. <laughs> uh, but there's also you know just just so much stuff. I just love and John P. McCann, by the way, of course, voices the father, uh, and uh, I think his name is Douglas Douglas, I believe. Not that it's coming back to me. If I'm if I'm wrong, I'll just take that out. But I'm pretty sure his name is <laughs> Douglas Douglas. I have no idea what his mom's name is, uh, but if she starts with a D or not. But anyway, uh, the words and weasels and uh, little expressions that he has. That's a great re- catchphrase. Yeah. yeah, words and weasels, uh, and the the whole fact that they they are perfectly fine with the boys hitting each other and wrestling and and everything, but you can't go. Pfft, to your brother <laughs> that's what have we said yeah. about that a new weight set cool we almost got your rock tumbler but then we thought no duncan just loves to lift things maybe you can give your old set to your brother yeah i'm so sure what's that supposed to mean Ow! worms and weasels dexter what have we said about going to your brother. And just the interaction with uh, the mom. That mom is so funny. It'll allow for true dedicated multitasking and at 300 megahertz and 16 megs of RAM, I can interface... Dexter, honey, honey, you're boring us again, sweetie. Oh, sorry. Can I go put it in? Okay, hon, but only in your computer. And then her whole thing with Roddy, is just, I love their going back and forth of like how you're gonna give him instructions on christmas eve like <laughs> yes he's a very bad driver and then like when even when they're captured she still thinks like like how bad of a driver are you dexter yeah <laughs> she thinks they're captured because dexter's a terrible driver like, yes he's not the smartest in the world no the whole family is very stupid i think um <laughs> But that's what makes the show so funny. One of the things I should say. Uh, so anyway, very good first part right here. And uh, let's talk about this. Oh. Oh, well, go ahead, Nathan. Debbie Douglas is the Wow. That is hilarious. <laughs> Debbie Douglas Duncan and Dexter. 
fantastic. Let's go ahead and talk about the second part. So the second part, it really, well, you thought there was a little bit of a Wrath of Khan stuff going on in the first part with him with the whole ooey gooey worm, which apparently, I, which I've never seen Wrath of Khan, but I guess the worm goes into your brain and then it yeah, makes it's you... right at the beginning the of the movie. The only thing I remember from that movie is Khan and the worm in the ear. Okay. Yeah. It's it's very early in the movie that it happens too. So I think it's like the first when you first see Khan, he's like putting an ear in um, Chekhov's ear. I think. Oh, see, uh, when I just think of worms and mind controlling, I just go to the Clone Wars, where there was an episode where of uh, Geonosians with uh, worms going into the the brains of the the dead thing. It was like zombies in Star Wars. It was a very creepy episode. So, oh, I remember that episode. Yeah, it was a good one. <laughs> Which was most likely, of course, referencing Wrath of Khan right there, too. So, yeah, ooey gooey worms in Wrath of Khan. But he goes into this whole monologue, too, and in fact even says Captain Kirk's name in it uh, at the beginning of this uh, before correcting himself <laughs> and saying goodbye. If news of the flaw got out, my company would be ruined. At least let the lad go. No, I cannot. Why? Because he tasks me. He tasks me. Round the moons of Snibia, I chuckle at thee. Beyond the Corpian clouds, I chuckle more at thee. Revenge is a dish best served with pinto beans and muffins. Kirk, oh friend, I... Oh, sorry. Goodbye. He tasks me. He tasks me, and I shall have him. I'll chase him round the moons of Nibia and round the Antares maelstrom and round Perdition's flames before I give him up. Ah, Kirk, my old friend. Do you know the Klingon proverb that tells us revenge is a dish that is best served cold? It is very cold in space. So Freakazoid eventually gets out when Dexter says he's freaking out. And he attacks these two guards. He wraps them up into little pretzels, a big giant pretzel actually, and says they need a chiropractor, dispatches them to a chiropractor by like throwing them out of the building. The chiropractor is very creepy looking, by the way, and cracks his, his fingers as he's going in to uh, do his work. Gutierrez has the code, so he's going to become a freakazoid himself and starts typing, but he's very slow. So it's very, you know, the drama of him slowly typing is, is uh, well, not very dramatic. <laughs> Freakazoid is running all around the place and eventually finds Gutierrez, pulls his eye strap back, stops him from, you know, typing in the delete key right at the end, pulls his eye strap back and goes all the way back to Tibet again and apologizes to that great monk before letting go of the eye patch, which then slaps uh, Gutierrez back in the face. How you feeling? You task me, Freakazoid. <sighs> so throughout this entire episode, <laughs> Freakazoid is asking Roddy for a snow cone, or if he wants to go get a snow cone. And Roddy keeps turning him down. But luckily at the very end, after 
the Dexter's <laughs> Dexter's family, I should say, has been freed after this horrible driving school. Uh, he meets Cosgrove for the first time, and Cosgrove asks him if he wants to go get a snow cone. So there we go. We also got the origin of how Freakazoid and Cosgrove met each other and do really stupid things all the time. We also find out the reason why Freakazoid wants to save everybody and become a superhero. You know what you should do with your powers? What? I'd become a superhero, but that's me. Nah. You could fight crime. Nah. Uphold the truth. Nah. Impress the ladies. Okay, I'll do it! Anyway, that's the end of the second part of this chip story. So, Nathan, what were some parts of this that uh, you thought were funny? Um, man wrestling a bear? Uh, <laughs> which they've been hinting towards from the very beginning of last episode. Yes, um, finally happened. Right finally, the- we get to see a man wrestling a bear, which is awesome. <laughs> and I like that uh, Roddy Mix 2 gets sucked into the internet, so the next time we get to see him, he'll be a freakazoid as well. That's right. If we ever see him again, I don't want to give any spoilers to Kelly, but... He may or may not come back. He was very much like an Obi-Wan Kenobi-ish character in this, I thought. Well, especially in the next part, he comes in, and he's he's kind of like the uh, the coach for Freakazoid to, like, with his powers and stuff. So mm-hmm. He tells him how to use... To say freak in, he becomes Dexter, and freak out, he becomes Freakazoid. Right. So. He taught him the, the power of the Force or something like that. So, there you go. <laughs> uh, but it was a... It was a you know, pretty action-packed thing. We also learned that Gutierrez apparently has two working eyeballs, but he really likes to wear a patch. <laughs> so he pulls that eye patch off. You can see Gutierrez uh, has two, uh, what looks like two perfectly, you know, functioning eyeballs right there. But uh, yeah, he just it just looks more evil when you have an eye patch on. Uh, well, uh, Kelly, what were some parts that you thought were cool? I thought it was cool when he, he typed in the code and you know, dramatically pressed delete and then entered the computer. It is very good, very good lighting and everything too. Yes, good special effects. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very much as you can do. Uh, well, it was it was confusing that uh, Roddy McDowell, like Roddy McStu, he's like writing the enter your access code. Like, I don't know when Dexter <laughs> first did it. Like that just appeared on it, but he had to write out like enter your access code. Well, he's he's. Doing, access uh, the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was watching that and going, boy, everybody's a terrible typist on this show. <laughs> Which was a great line from Gutierrez. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I'm such a bad typist. Oh, and I love that part where he's just screaming Gutierrez right there. Hey, Gutierrez! There's a few uh, other cultural references in here. I think the biggest one is probably the, you know, Say the secret word from "You Bet Your Life" with uh, Groucho Marx. So there's that. And then uh, the man wrestling a bear is apparently from the life and times of Grizzly Adams. Uh, apparently, but there you go. So uh, that is the chip part one and two. But that's not it. We also have a lovely, lovely musical interlude. We've seen this before, but this is a new song. 
that Freakazoid is butchering. This is Tchaikovsky's Piano Concerto Number no. 1. And uh, not much to say about this other than it was funny and it was short and it filled some time. Anything about you guys want to say about <laughs> his piano playing skills? Nope. Um, I think Filler. I like... Yeah, I, mean, I like the Chopstick one more because I recognize Chopsticks more <laughs> than I recognize <laughs> the actual song of this one. <laughs> so, oh. Well, let's go ahead and talk about the next part, which is Freakazoid is History. And Freakazoid is History was written by Alan Burnett, and it was directed by Dan Reba. And Kelly, why don't you tell us what happens here in Freakazoid is History? Okay. The uh, Air Force One is... mm, pilotless basically i mean it's uh, no one's really flying the plane um except hillary clinton and barbara streisand and, and some guy al gore trying, oh <laughs> i thought that's who that was supposed to be but it didn't really look like him but uh <laughs> they're trying to fly the plane how bad is the situation general Oden? well it's hard to know sir the pilot just bailed Woo-wee. sure sounds scary say who exactly is flying the plane? Well, uh, everyone is, sir. Let go! I've got a plan. Can I fly too? Why don't you just go see instead? People, people who fly airplanes are the happiest people. And Freakazoid finds out about it, and he basically gets like a jetpack and, and flies into the, the plane. And... He um, manages to get sucked into a vortex and realizes he thinks the first he's in Norway. Uh, he sees hula girls and then you know he sees sees uh, ships and then hula girls and then, you know the sign that says he's in Hawaii and, and at Pearl Harbor. And he's there on December 7th, 1941, which is the, the day the Japanese attack. And so he decides he's going to prevent the attack. And it might affect the, the future, but he's going to give it a shot anyway. So he takes a little jetpack and goes up in the air and has this little guard station with an arm. And he uh, holds his hand out and stops all the planes coming at him in midair. Now listen up. I want one line right here. We're checking for fruits, vegetables, and torpedoes. Did you hear? They're checking for fruit. And I brought mugs of grapes. Fool! And so they all turn around and go away. And so he thwarts the attack. And so then he wonders if he should go back to the future and see what had, you know, what it has changed. And at first it looks pretty normal, but then um, he realizes that Sharon Stone is in a, a Shakespearean film and, and playing Lady Macbeth, and she can act. And Rush Limbaugh is a liberal and uh, a bleeding heart liberal and collecting <laughs> money for the, the poor on a street, and Euro Disney is packed. And... Now the president is not Bill Clinton, it's the brain. And there's still an issue with the plane because it's like, who's flying the plane? And it's Pinky. 
situation is critical, Mr. President. Fuel's low and the pilot just bailed. How distressing. Might I inquire as to whom is piloting the aircraft? So the the future the future really changed really positively for Pinky in the brain, or at least the brain. I don't know, or at least temporarily oh. until Pinky crashes the plane. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. This is a very um, a quantum leapish episode. Now, were either of you uh, fans of that show at all growing up? I'm assuming Nathan, you probably I were. Yeah, uh, I watched it yeah, a lot. I skipped it. <laughs> you skipped it. <laughs> yeah. I was really into time travel uh, theories and ideas and everything when I was a kid. I really loved Back to the Future and um, Quantum Leap. I really thought, oh, this might be possible. For some reason, that Quantum Leap just sounded more scientific or something to me. But uh, <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> this episode was uh, written by Alan Burnett, as I mentioned before. And Alan Burnett is, uh, he produced the uh, Batman the Animated Series which, uh, hello, that's a fantastic series, and he has tons and tons of uh, cartoons under his belt both as a writer and producer uh, both in Hanna-Barbera and Warner Brothers as well as Disney, I believe, as well like DuckTales and everything, so it's really cool to see uh, his name pop up on on this list So, so let's talk about the references real fast before we get into our favorite gags the starts off with a pretty big reference it felt a little bit like batman the animated series the way that the cops were dressed first of all kind of felt like the opening of uh batman uh the credit sequence but it immediately went into a gargoyles parody with this guy mm-hmm. who looks a lot like goliath then later in the great time of leanness my race was driven forth onto the plain of vastness whereby lothgar the ill-postured was made king of the people with no name but decent footwear. Listen, I'm trying to work. If you quit talking, I'll give you a Pez dispenser. Okay. There's an eye patch general uh, talking to Bill Clinton, and his name is apparently General Odin. So, uh, which now because of Thor, we all know who Odin is, uh, who has an eye patch. So that's kind Some of. Some cool. of us knew who Odin was before we saw Thor. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> uh, Barbara Streisand is parodied not once, but twice in this one, in this uh, episode. Uh, we have her singing uh, the kind of a people who need people song, which, of course, is from Funny Girl. And uh, they reference uh, FDR's speech of uh, you have nothing to fear but fear itself. They reference the thigh master. Uh the premise of this cartoon is very much, you know, Quantum Leap, but it could have also been based upon an actual movie called The Final Countdown in 1980, which starred Kirk Douglas. It was all about an aircraft carrier that got stuck in a time warp and wound, winds up in Hawaii just before the Pearl Harbor bombing. So, yeah, it sounds very similar. Yeah. <laughs> there's also a Twilight Zone episode, too, that was similar to this. But. Yeah, there's even an episode of quantum leap where scott bakula becomes lee harvey oswald and he has to make the decision about whether or not to shoot the president or not so this whole conundrum of should i let history big events of history go down uh you know or not is you know it's a common thing it reminded me it made me think of a little 2263 the stephen king movie and uh, i mean uh, 
book and then also they made a series of it and he goes back in time to try to present to prevent JK from being shot and it shows the aftermath of what happens. Yeah, so there you go. So uh yeah, it's a it's, it's I can't really say if it's really parodied off of that exact movie or just in, you know, a general concept of it. So Kate Smith is mentioned. She's she was a uh, she's saying God bless America in many uh you know, ballparks. I think it was in Fenway Park or something like that. They would play her recording up until recently when they found out that uh, she also sang some songs that were pretty racist uh, as well. So they said, uh, we're not going to play her song anymore. Uh, that goes into this montage when they go into Quantum Freak. And I'm just going to go through them as quickly as possible. There's Racing chari- Chariots and Ben-Hur. They show Davy Crockett. Uh, there's a 2001 A Space Odyssey, um, you know, ape freakazoid there. John Travolta in Saturday Night Fever, Dustin Hoffman in The Graduate, Julie Andrews in The Sound of Music, uh, referencing sort of Jaws. <laughs> uh, not really a specific scene, but it's Jaws. Uh, Fanboy and Freakazoid are running around the place, just like Tony Curtis, Tony Curtis and Cindy Poitier in The Defiant Ones. And finally, Barbara Streisand is parodying again with Hello, Dolly. And Freakazoid's wearing a fake nose because Barbara Streisand has a big nose, according to some. (laughs) So, uh, Joan Rivers is parodied. She uh, is not only parodied for, you know, that's Joan Rivers, but it's also that she was on, I think, QVC a lot. And she... uh, they talk about the binoculars that Freakazoid's wearing, and she has this great little pearl thing that you could add on to it that she designed. Uh, and we already mentioned Sharon Stone and Rush Limbaugh and Euro Disney. Uh, they also mentioned Cold Fusion, which uh, doesn't really exist, but it could. And Chevy Chase, who made a bunch of bad movies in the 80s and 90s and apparently is a big jerk, <laughs> according to many in the industry uh but there you go there's are our references but let's go and talk about some moments in this quantum freak or freakazoid is history cartoon that you thought were cool uh nathan what were some parts in this cartoon that you thought were cool uh who the girls uh i <laughs> 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 uh, uh I don't know if you mentioned the uh, North by Northwest or not. I, I was oh yeah, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't mention North by Northwest. That's right. They were climbing in the nose of, uh, of Mount Rushmore right there on uh, yeah George Washington. <laughs> not like it really met, but yeah, it just shows how many packed things there are. And there's a lot of it. Um, yeah, uh, stopping the airplanes by uh, asking if they have vegetables or checking for. <laughs> uh, vegetables but then also missiles too but they don't seem to be concerned about the torpedoes yeah exactly they're like oh no i brought fruit (laughs) i brought fruit oh no uh turn around silly um and uh his love for peanuts is funny and that a vortex loves peanuts too and then his reference to uh ace ventura pet detective of saying do not go in there which i guess is just a you know it's just a thing people say after they come out of the bathroom but man oh man it's going to be huge. This week this was the week of that uh catchphrase, I can tell you. If they were to if they were to just coincidentally drop that reference at any time, this was the week to do it. Yeah. So like, good job. Boom. Good job Alan Burnett. <laughs> Figuring that out. 
there's also just certain lines I like that the you know the wheels are stuck hard you know worse than a, can- a canned ham or something like that. I just I don't know, just stand out to be as funny. But yes, hula girls, hula girls, <laughs> very very funny. Kelly, what about you? Anything in this that you thought was uh, of note? I thought it was funny that Brain was the president now. Yes. <laughs> that was a nice little, uh, you know, cameo spin on things right there, which was very cool. I think Maurice LaMarche also did a, a voice of at least one of those Irish police officers at the very beginning. So I should have realized he was going to be at the end. Well, I did realize because I've seen this episode many <laughs> times, but go figure. Yeah, I think you can get, I think as a voice actor, uh, they can have you do up to, I forget if it's up to three or maybe even six voices in one cartoon without paying you more. Uh, so, you know, if you have Maurice LaMarche in the booth, you might as well have him do a couple more characters at least, or what, at least one, uh, just because. Well, I guess that's it for today's two-part episode. Two episodes. My goodness. Let's go ahead and get to our water tower rating. All right. Out of five water towers, how many would you give the chip part one and two and Freakazoid is history? Nathan, let's start with you. Oh, boy. It's hard because, I mean, if I were just to do one of the episodes, I probably would give it less because, like, you're missing the other part. But since it's we're doing both together, I'm going to say four and a half, I guess. Yes. I think four and a half is a good number, and I would give it more if they didn't have the previously on and next on because I just want to get to the next part already. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> All right. And Kelly, what about you? I'll go with four. I thought it was all uh, pretty good. All right. And I'll give it I'll give it a 4.5 as well as Nathan did. Because, I, yeah, like you said, I, I just think that if they could have just... I don't know how they could have fit it all into one episode. But uh, I think they were, they were limited on how you know, much time they had. I think originally mm-hmm. they must have wanted to do it in one episode. Uh, if I were a gambling man, I would say, yeah, this was all meant to be in one, but then it had to get split up, which, you know, whatever. Uh, they, yeah, I'm I'm glad they didn't cut jokes that were funny, you know. Yes, like, exactly. It's like I wouldn't I wouldn't want them to to take anything out. I just wish that the WB had given them more time to yeah. to do it. And speaking of the WB, I really like that uh, little thing of we could have been you know on prime time, but the network said they had other plans or something like that <laughs> it makes me want it like lines like that make me think those are just like improv from paul rugg just talking in the booth but you never know you never you know, know but know. it was definitely it was definitely them commenting on <laughs> the status of their show which i think it would have been a much more popular and successful show if it had been put into prime time because it really isn't yeah. may it meant for I mean, it's meant for kids, and the fact that it won't offend anybody, but it's show, it's showing all these references, like Marty Ingalls. It's like no, yeah. It, I, I remember our dad laughing at that and going, "Who's Marty Ingalls?" He's like, "Oh, it's this guy." <laughs> you yeah, know? it's just it, it reminds me of like Family Guy in some yes. ways sometimes, where I'm like, where they'll you know they do the cutaway oh, joke totally, and like, 
Yeah, I was uh, thinking it, the same thing. Like everybody talks about uh, Family Guy, how oh they're the guys who did the cutaways. And I, when by the time I first started watching Family Guy, I I've already seen this, you know. And I was like, oh yeah, Freakazoid would do this all the time. Yeah, <laughs> it's like what's the big deal? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Freakazoid did it. Uh, does it much uh, more successfully than Family Guy because they don't do it at as much, and yeah. when they do do it, it's uh, it it's funnier usually. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't slow the story down. It's just like, oh, that was silly. Now back to the story. Here's a random clip, and yeah, I just like that it's live action usually on Freakazoid, which makes it funnier. Yeah, it's an actual thing of or, I don't know, or or like just in, found footage, or in the or in the chip. <laughs> Like you have this whole these cutaways with uh, talk about the MPAA. It's almost like you have two different plot lines mm-hmm. going on at the same time, two different episodes going on at the same time. So I really liked that and everything. So uh, you know, whatever. And of course, this this part right here, Kelly, I think the mention of Spielberg uh, was definitely you know up there with Jack Valenti talking about how he was doing this for a favor for Steven Spielberg. Uh, yes. had to be <laughs> high on there. And and Steven Spielberg will be making an appearance in one of these episodes of Freakazoid coming up. So Yay. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, that'll do it for today's show. Let's go ahead and get to some contact information. Nathan, where can people go to get in contact with you online? Oh, Joey, I'm on uh, Twitter. Uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, Django FT, that's me. That's the ticket. And Kelly, what about you? I'm also on Twitter, Yoda Princess, Y-O-D-A-P-R-N-C-S-S, or email me, Kelly, at BigShinyRobot.com. Feel free to share with Kelly any Baby Yoda memes on Twitter. Yes. Uh, the you. challenge will be to, to show her something that she has not seen yet, because... <laughs> I've seen... So many. So many. So if you can catch... the Baby Yoda group on Facebook. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So if you want to talk about Baby Yoda with Kelly on Facebook or anything like that, uh, yeah, that's that's the place to go to. And of course, if you want to talk to us about Animaniacs or Star Wars or anything like that, you should come on over to the RetroZap Discord group. You can get a welcome link by going to discord.animaniacast.com and join the conversation there. We're also on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, posting fun stuff on those things all the time. You can get in contact with us there. Or, of course, you could email us, animaniacast at retrozap.com. And speaking of RetroZap, you got to go and go over to RetroZap.com today because there's stuff there every single day, whether it's stuff about Star Wars or just pop culture in general. There's articles and podcasts and all this other great stuff over there. So RetroZap.com is the place to be. Bookmark it. Check it out. You'll be glad that you did. Well, that'll do it for today's episode. So for Nathan and Kelly, this is Joey saying good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. 
This podcast is not endorsed by Warner Brothers or Amblin Entertainment and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Animaniacs, Tiny Toon Adventures, Freakazoid, the Warner Brothers logo, all names, pictures, and sounds are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Animaniacast unless otherwise indicated. How do I save a president and divert World War II all in one day? Well, it's not easy, but a high-fat diet of starch, sugar, and a big bag of salt really helps. 